I want to talk to you about what happened to Elijah. And in some way, we're going to look at it a little bit differently. And some way, find a way that we can relate our own life. In fact, you know, Elijah is one of the very few people that's mentioned in the Bible that the Bible says he is like we are. It said he's the same passion. He has the same passion as we do. And then it goes on. That's in James chapter 5. Then it goes on to say, but he was able to pray for miracles. So I feel like it's God, don't you? Somebody trying to give us an answer that you may be frail in a lot of ways, or you may be weak in a lot of ways, but God can still use you. I, I think that's the message. I, I really believe that that's what God's trying to say to us in the midst of His life. That we here this morning, we know we have problems, but God can still use us. Because there is an assignment that God has given to us in our life. And that God will be able. Everybody say, despite my frailties, I believe God will be able to use my life for His glory. Amen? So to do that, we're going to start back. Now, if I started talking about Elijah, we'd have to drop back to 1 Kings chapter 17. Introduction of Elijah just simply says, Elijah the Tishbite. <laughs> well, I'm not sure exactly what a Tishbite is. I've, I've bit a few things in my life, but I'm not sure what a Tishbite is. But, but we are going to advance ahead to chapter 19. And we're going to look at some failures that came in that's so evident in his life. And then we're going to understand that the New Testament said he, that Elijah would be our example of having problems yet being used for God. So as understanding that in the background, we're going to begin reading with 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 2. It says, so Jezebel sent the message to Elijah. Notice what she did. She sent the message. She didn't deliver the message. She sent the message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you kill them. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, to a town in Judah, and he left his servants there. Verse 4, then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than the ancestors who have already died. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or for the journey ahead will be too much for you. Verse 8, so he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Verse 9, there he came to a cave and where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Then the Lord said, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, there was an earthquake. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. But when Elijah heard that, when he heard that gentle whisper... He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. 
And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Then the Lord told him, go back the same way which you came. So I want to talk to you today about what happened to Elijah. What was going on? Well, as our, as our main scripture text today wants to take verse 9, which says, There he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Amen. What happens? What happened to Elijah? I want to discuss that in about six points this morning, if I have time. I, in the early service, man, the power of the Holy Spirit was so real in the early service that we could just sense God so real in there. And I only had time to get through about four, but hopefully in here I can, we'll talk about six points that happened in Elijah's life that gives us understanding of what may try to happen in our life. Because the Bible said, remember, the New Testament said that he's an example for us. He's an example. So by being that, then let's get started. All right. I want to first tell what happens when one forgets God's providence? What happens when God forgets? In James chapter 5, verse 17, that's where it says that he is, is a man of human frailties like we are, yet he could believe for supernatural answers. We have to understand there is an agenda in each of our lives, but it's not our agenda. It's not one that we have chosen, but it's one that God has chosen. There's not a person here this morning that does not have a divine assignment for life. Every person that's gathered, in fact, every person in this world, there has been a divine assignment that God has assigned on you. Now, it may be as big as reaching a city. It may be as big as reaching your company or building a company. It may be as big as reaching a nation. Or it may be seemingly as small as the children that God's given you. But there's one thing every person must know, that God has given me an assignment in life. Now, whether I ever find that assignment, especially whether I ever complete that assignment, whether I'm able to offer it to God as a completed task when I get to heaven, but one thing for sure, every person in this building has an assignment for God from God. Now, most of the time, what we think about an assignment is this. We think we're going to get close to God where God's going to want me to do something. That's not the way the assignment works. In fact, the assignment preceded you. God had a need, and God raised up, chose, created someone to meet that need. You, this morning, have been sent into earth not to see if you can get close enough and strong enough to finally God can use you. <laughs> But you have been sent into this earth to fulfill a certain assignment from God. And it's just hard to understand that what if I don't? What if I don't complete? What if I don't find my assignment? Well, let me dare say that's why we're dealing with such a sick earth. Or that's why the world is having such dilemmas. Because when God has a problem... God creates somebody to be his answer for that problem. Praise the Lord. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it talks about this assignment that God gives us. And notice how it introduced it. It said, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God be prepared that we should walk in them. That's a powerful scripture. We're going to break it apart just a little bit right here. We're God's workmanship. What that tells me is this. God is working in each one of us. God is working. We are God. We're not our self-creators. We're not even our self-molders. <laughs> God is working in us. There's not a person here this morning that God is not working in you to bring you to the place of being able to fulfill his assignment that he puts you on earth to fulfill. And that's an awesome opportunity and an awesome responsibility. There's three things from this scripture I want you to see. And there's really four that I want you to know about. But there's three things from this scripture easily seen. Number one, God's working in you. Everybody say, God's working in me. He is busily. This word worketh. He is busily at work in us. God is all the while. In fact, one scripture said that. He is all the while effectually what it says. He's all the while effectually, book of Philippians, he's all the while effectually at work in us. So God is busily at work in us. Amen. And you are designed for success. Now, I'm not talking about just success as far as the world, because we measure that usually by dollar signs and accomplishments on a page or on a plaque. That's not the way God. But I'm talking about God has designed you for the success of his assignment that he sent you on earth to do. There's nobody like you. And there'll be no one that will really be able to fulfill that but you. So this great assignment that God's given you, number one, we know that God's working. The next thing about it, that not only is God working in us, but God has destined us to a definite assignment. That's why I said we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for our good works. God has already pre-programmed us to be able to do it. God has already pre-programmed us to be able to do it. Now, some edges have got to be knocked off. Some things have got to be maybe switched around inside of us. Most of all, we've got to get our, our noodle working with our heart. But the truth of the matter is God has created us to be able to do this assignment that he has given to us. The third thing, God has connected you. Not only has God working in you, and not only has God given you an assignment, but God has connected you. And there's not a person in this building that God has not connected you with a, with a person, with a group, with a time, with a season of those that you serve in that assignment. That's why, see, we're bought with a price. Oh, I know we say, well, I think I'll move over on street so-and-so because I'll be able to compete with the Joneses. Well, you can't compete with Johnny, as it start with. But at the same time, that's not, we can't make those choices. I know the world tells us we can, but we're not of the world. We're a strange breed. <laughs> We've been bought with a price. We're owned by God. What that means is the Lord directs our lives. And there are those that God has not only given us assignment, but he has attached us to. See, it'd be about the time I'm moving off of the street, then I'd find out that's my assignment is to reach that street. <laughs> and about the time I'm ready to give up on my family, I find out that's the reason God put me in that family. <laughs> I mean, when I understand there's a divine assignment, then I understand there are those that God's connected to. So what I'm saying, we, can't, we have to be careful to not disattach from that which God has attached us to. We've got to let God be the guide and ruler of our life. But there's a fourth thing I want you to know. 
Not only have you given me given assignment, not only is God the one that's working it in you, and not only has He connected you, but there's an arch enemy that's against your assignment. You've got to know that there's somebody that's fighting you ever locating and finding out and fulfilling this assignment that God has for you. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be vigilant, or it says, Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil. I'm here to tell you, every one of us have an adversary. Oh, we, th- we, th- we know there is. You know, he's trying to give people cancer. He's trying to give... And then it's true. He's trying to do all those things. But the truth of the matter is he's fighting the assignment. He's trying to stop what God put you here to do. So it's the assignment that the adversary has been sent against. Now... Let's read the rest of that verse. It says, Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if we broke that down a little bit in the Greek, we would find out that that meaning where it says walketh, what that means is this, that the enemy is watching you, trying to find a weakness in you that he will be able to use to overpower you to stop the assignment from happening. That tells you something. That's what that word walketh mean. That there is an enemy that is against you. But he's watching you. He's watching you to, to determine your weaknesses that he will be able to use against you to stop that assignment. But then there's another verse, verse 9. It said, whom we stand. Got to stand against him. The answer to that enemy that's been against you the enemy that's your adversary the answer is you've got to withstand him you've got to stand against him so however the enemy is trying to stop your assignment on earth you must learn we must learn how to stand against him I must resist him I must stop him I must not allow him amen well, the Bible says, be sober. What it means, keep my head clear. That's what it's telling me. The answer to it, as I'm walking, if I'm going to win this battle against this adversary, I've got to keep a clear head. I've got to watch distracting influences because the enemy is constantly trying to distract us and pull us aside. I've got to constantly be aware of my spiritual state. We're talking about there has been an opponent that is a spiritual entity that has been sent against your physical assignment on earth. And if you're not careful... And if we're not careful, we will become so worldly in our thinking to honestly, we will not have spiritual perspectives anymore. And that's what the enemy wants to do is to lull us asleep to the point to where we will quit fighting him and start fighting it, which is what he's doing. Amen? Everybody say, whom resist? You know what the word resist means? It says resist him. That's what the answer to the, from the Bible. You have an adversary that's trying to stop what you were put on earth to do. That God's answer is to resist him. The word resist, what it means is means to speak, to challenge it, to argue back at him. <laughs> What the answer is, is to not lay down and accept it. It's to argue back. I mean, Lane's real good at arguing. I, I've seen that. So, 
Oh, but I married a sweet, kind. <laughs> but the Bible says we have to learn to argue back against that enemy. We have to learn to fight back. We have to learn to resist it. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Second Timothy, it says, but be thou sober in all things, suffer hardship, do the work to fulfill your ministry. So if I'm going to be able to fulfill this assignment that God's put on me, man, it's going to bring some hardship in. All right. The second reason that Elijah made the mistake he did, he lost his perspective of God's providence. He lost his perspective of God's providence. I tell you, the greatest foundation in all of our lives is this, is that we have a foundation that is so sure beneath our feet. And if I can stand on that foundation and believe. Because you know, what the, you know what the providence of God tells me? The providence of God tells me there's nothing happened to me. There's nothing going on against me. There's nothing that's blindsided me. There's nothing that's trying to slip up on me that God is not well aware of. And all of a sudden, when I began to lose the perspective of that, and I began to see myself, this caught me off guard, this thing's going to knock me out of the picture, this thing's putting me off the base, this thing's going to cause me to be out, this thing is going to keep me from going across the goal line, I mean, this thing, that I'm losing my perspective. Because as a believer that loves Jesus and that Jesus loves, you have this confidence in the providence of God. That whatever I'm going through, if happening to me is something I never thought would happen to me, if coming out against me is something I never thought would come against me, if what's going on in my life is something I never thought I would ever have to face, yet God was well aware and God sized it up and God sized me up and God sized himself up and God said, we can handle this, Jerry. That's the providence of God. It's tied up in, in one basic scripture. It said, we know that all things work together for good. We know God can use whatever it is that that adversary is trying to do to stop that assignment. We know that God can use that. We know that God can turn it around, man. And so what happens is when we begin to forget, we begin to forget the providence of God. It causes certain things. And one reason that Elijah forgot it he no longer resisted negative words. You know the greatest tool the devil has against any of us? Somebody says, well, the greatest tool the devil's got against me right now is my boss. And some lady here says, the greatest tool the devil's got against me is my husband. But the truth of the matter is not any of those issues. That's why Jezebel, conspired by the demonic spirits that were behind her, she did not even show up in person. She sent a message. You know what Jesus told us was the strongest battle we'll ever fight? It's the battle with thoughts that the devil is giving you. That's why in Luke chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the enemy. And then it goes into what those tests were. Every one of those tests was thoughts that were given to him by the enemy. I don't know which of you the devil's telling you you're not going to make it. I don't know which of you the devil's telling you, well, you just blew it this time and it'll, you'll never be able to make up for it. 
I don't know which of you the devil's telling you never was worth anything. You never will be worth anything. I don't know what, but I do know this. The Bible says resist it. The moment that you quit resisting those negative thoughts is the moment that you begin to be subdued by the enemy's power. And the enemy knows, just like, just like it was with Elijah, that the, as fear embraced his life, the devil knows what to tell you to make you afraid. And the devil knows what to do. And, and the devil's his most complicated story is this. It's going to be different this time. That's, you can look back in your past. You remember all the times that God brought you through, and times that God saw you through, and the times that God helped you through. But this time the devil comes and says, it's going to be different this time. This one's going to take you out, and this one's going to take you down. And if you allow that negative thought to take a place, to, to take root in your life, the next thing that's going to take place in your life is going to be a fear. And that's what happened to Elijah. When, they, when he allowed that, he no longer resisted that negative thoughts of Jezebel speaking into him, to where the next thing he began to run opposite to the will of God in his life. And so what the enemy wants to do. But you know what the, uh, God's answer for us that is? Whatever the devil's telling you. The, I love Psalms 42, don't you? Don't you love? I mean, Psalms is so good. Psalms is so full of love, but it's so full of fight and so full of power. Because David was also a man like we are. He had to fight the devil at every tooth and every toenail. He had to fight the devil to win the battle to get his assignment taken care of. And what it says in Psalm 42, 11, he says, So I say to my soul. See, a lot of us, we're just going to go right along and agree. If the devil can make us think it, we're going to accept it. I'm here to tell you, because you think it, it does not mean you need to accept it. If you're thinking it and it's opposite to what the Word of God's told you, if it's opposite to what God's told you, and if it's opposite to what the promises of God have revealed to you, then you need to resist it. And you need to stand against it. Amen? But what the Bible says, the answer is, say to my soul. That's what David said. David said, when, when the devil comes in and begins to lie to me, David said, I begin to say to my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed, for I know my God will break through for me. If we will allow that to be our resistance at every negative word the devil tries to speak to us, it will take the enemy and cause him to run in fright from the fright that he's trying to bring into your life. Amen. Everybody says, I will not receive negative words. That's the first place of all of our battlefield. That's the place to where that God's assignment is stolen from our life. It's not by the world dropping out from under you. It's not that. It's not any of those things. What it is, it's what the devil is trying to tell you about God's assignment. It's what the devil's trying to tell you about it. And, but it's time in the name of Jesus that we just get a little concrete poured in our backbone and we quit allowing ourselves to be a doormat for the devil's thoughts and we begin to rise up in the name of Jesus and say, just because I think it doesn't mean that it's mine. It's against the promise of God. It's not what the Lord's told me is going to happen in my life. I'm going to stand against those negative thoughts and I'm going to subdue them in Jesus' name. Amen. The next thing that it caused, when he lost his perspective of trusting in God's providence, the first thing, he began to stop standing against negative thoughts. The next thing that happened, he withdrew from his assignment. He withdrew. He started going in the direct opposite direction. And you know, that's what happens when you get discouraged. When you get to the place that you just don't believe that it can happen anymore. 
all of a sudden, the devil first usually tries to start uh, uh, dealing with us, trying to get us to accept a less than. I mean, I cannot tell you the times that the devil's tried to get me to accept a less than. A less than what God had said. A less than what God had promised. But that is the way the devil deals. But in the name of Jesus, we will not withdraw from our assignment. Amen. The Bible says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down because God's going to swoop him back up. You know, there's a wonderful thing. There's a wonderful thing. We, uh, we determine in our heart, we won't draw back. No matter what the devil's told you, what, no matter what the devil's tried to tell you will not be happening in your life, what we accomplish, you just determine, I'm not going to draw back. I want to say, what could you lose by trusting God? What could you lose? What could you lose by trusting God? What could you lose by believing that 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 was spoken to your heart is the Lord? What could you lose by doing that? But then there's another thing that happens. That Elijah began to sit down. He sat down. He went opposite. He went away from his assignment. And then the very next thing is, let, let, me, let me just say, there's a word here to somebody. I don't know how to preach it. I, I, I don't have the words for it. I've been searching, fumbling around with it for just the last few moments here. There's someone here that's really coming close to laying down the assignment that God has called you to. Let me, let me tell you this. There are horrible circumstances to laying down the assignment of God. One circumstance will always be there. Where you let the devil win, he will be determined he will win again and again and again and again and again in your life. It's not going to start usually with the bottom falling out of your world. But it's starts by allowing the devil to back you up from where you know God has called you. You cannot allow that. And then the next thing, you sit down. You quit. You get tired. You say, I just can't handle this anymore. That's exactly what Elijah said. He said, I can't handle this anymore. I'm tired of things being in such an uproar. I'm tired of fighting this mental battle all the time. I'm tired of going through this. I just can't stand her to say one more thing to me. I can't stand for him to say one more. I just can't handle this anymore. And you quit. You know, there's a marvelous thing God's put inside of all of us. And it's the power to bounce back. You know, God's put us in there. Do you know that, that God's put us... When, we, when you fall, what's your immediate response? To get back up. Now, here several years ago, I watched Elaine. She was on a ladder. She was about 10 foot in the air or so herself. And I watched her take what I considered one of the worst falls I had seen. She fell back, the collapse of that ladder, and she just fell back. And what she fell on, you could almost imagine what it was crushing. But you know what happened? That bounce back came. One minute she hit, the next minute she was back up. God put the ability to bounce back in our life. 
And even though it may hurt, and even though the pain may be there, if we would just determine, though I fall, I love that scripture out of, that says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. You need to look the devil in the face and say, Devil, you may have knocked me down, but you didn't knock me out. I may have fallen back, but I'm bouncing back for the glory of God. And you just determine, I'm going to bounce back. And maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe what happened to you embarrassed you. Maybe, maybe sure, you, you, you walked astray. Maybe you did wonder for where God had called you to walk. But I tell you what, it's a time to bounce back, honey. It's a time to stand back up on your feet and look at that enemy that's come against your assignment and say, I will fulfill my assignment in life for the glory of God. Amen. The second thing. The first thing is to forget, oh, go on, so time to quit, quit. The first thing is when I begin to forget the providence of God. The second thing is when I forget God's provision. The Lord has provided whatever I need to get back to the place that God's called me. It's there. The Bible calls it supernatural strength, and that's what Elijah found found some food that was cooked by an angel, became a supernatural strength in him that was able to pull him back to the place that God had, God had called him to. If you will allow God at your moment of weakness, if you will allow God, if you will cry out to God, God will increase your strength and you will have the strength. The third thing is, is what happens when one fails to remember is all a process. We tend to think that God's assignment is going to go from level one to level two to level three to level four to level five. And we have our idea. And so what happens is when the devil puts all these things into our life that disrupt us, we forget it is a process. God is working a process. It would be more like one, two, one. Three, two, one. Three, the process of God. Because the process of God is working not only in the assignment. He's working in the person that is called to that assignment. And you've got to know God is working in you. And there are some things for me to be the man that God's called me to be, for you to be the man or the woman that God's called you. There's got to be some things that's worked out of me. There must be some attitude change a lot of times. There's got to be some character change. I'll be honest with you. If God just began using all of us in our assignments, it wouldn't be God that would get the glory. You understand? So God must begin to work in us. And we've got to realize it is a process that God is going doing it. See, there's, there's three things that God's assignment gives me. God, God assignment gives me is, is the where is important. And so God has to work out the where. And, or, and then it's to whom. God has to work out the to whom. Um, a lot of times, you know, to, to be God's mighty man of the hour to save a nation begins by being God's mighty man of the hour to save Possum Creek. You understand? I mean, the process is a process of God. 
And you've got to trust. You've got to hold on to the promise that God has given to you. And while you're working through the possum creeks of your life, you've got to let God work you through the possum creeks so he can eventually bring you to the place and the thing that he's drastically and powerfully called you to. Amen. Amen. The next thing is, is, what happens if I forget God's persistence? And this one I'm closing with. The persistence of the Lord. Where are you, Elijah? What are you doing here? Did you notice God said that same word to him two times in a row? God is persistent. And I'm here to tell you, if you hold on to God, God is determined to hold on to you. And if you will hold on to the Lord to get you to that place that God had put you on earth to fulfill, God will hold tight on to you. Amen. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, yes. my fortress, yes. my God, yes. and Him where I trust. so persistent in fact the New Testament says it like this the assignments of God are without repentance God doesn't change his mind God may have to remold you ten times honey he may have to remake you over and over again but as long as you will crawl your way to that potter's wheel again and you say God keep spinning me till I become a vessel of honor to you God I won't quit don't you quit God and God gives his promise to never ever quit though he fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord is going to take, take a hold King James for the Lord holdeth up with his hand but that word literally means God grabs you by the neck and he pulls you back onto that thing every time. God will not quit. God will not quit. I don't know where you are in your assignment to the Lord. There are two things that's vitally important. Elijah had to stand before the Lord. You know, God said, come stand before, come out of the cave. Come out of the place of depression. Come out of the place of discouragement. Come out of the place of quitting. Come out. And he said, come out of the cave. Come out of the cave and stand before me. That's what the Lord told him. He said, come out, Elijah. Come out of the cave. Come out. Come out of what's driving you away. Come out what you were discouraged about. Come out of that that people failed you in. Come out. Come out. Come out of the cave. Come out of the cave. Come out of the cave and stand before me. And that's what Elijah did. He made the decision to try again. The only thing happened this time. The fire came. It didn't discourage him. The earthquake came. And it didn't discourage him. The wind came. It didn't discourage him. But all of a sudden, a little whispered voice spoken to his heart 